Freedom Times News Hour, sponsored by the Freedom Times newspaper in American Freedom News, AmericanFreedomNews.us. It's great to have your company. Uh, for more great company, please join us in the chat room, FreedomTimes.ChatTango.com. I'm here with Mr. Don Wassel. How's it going, Don? Hey, Patricia. I'm here via landline today since my... Oh, you're sounding good. You're sounding well, good. Well, good. I, I hope so. Yeah, my computer died last week, so until I get the new one in, I'm going old school today. Yeah, well, you know what we say, Mercury retrograde. So, uh... <laughs> whatever works. So, um, whatever works. You know, it's, um, I want to encourage you some great articles over at AmericanFreedomNews.us, and that's where folks can, um, can subscribe to the... The Freedom Times, uh, right there. There's a link right on that page. But those articles are not to be missed. You have one of the best news aggregate sites on the web. It's even more like that. For anybody who's a conservative, um, that should be your first stop for news, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I, today, if you haven't, anyone hasn't checked it out yet, this would be a good day because uh, I put a lot of really. I mean, I, I found them. I mean, there's so much good stuff on the internet every day, and I just try and find the best of it and compile it uh, for people to read uh, you know a lot of people that do subscribe to the, the freedom times they almost all seem to love the intelligence report and for good reason i mean that's uh, has a lot of great info but you know dirty little secret is a lot of the info that goes in the intelligence report comes from american freedom news.us so i look yeah, I, to me it's just the it's like a daily intelligence report so i i, I encourage people to, to check it out every day awesome awesome well i, I say amen Wonderful. Hey, listen, Don. You were the you were the person that introduced me to Karen Smith, and she gave me the four one one on South Africa in a way that um, I, it was so impressive. I made a video about it, and it's been uh, had all kinds of dings on it and stuff on um, on YouTube. But a lot of people um, downloaded it, and it made its way across the world. And that was my initial um, really deep dive into South Africa. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest today, who's on boots on the ground in South Africa, Mr. Jan Lamprecht. He's a, he's a boar whose family moved to Rhodesia. Um, you know, he grew up in Rhodesia during the white rebellion against Britain, which resulted in a race war that the whites fought for 14 years. And all his family moved to South Africa after Rhodesia fell. Um, and that's when he got into computer programming in, in South Africa. And he really stayed out of politics until the blacks in Zimbabwe seized the farms of the whites who stayed behind. And that's what set him off to create um, his website, African Crisis, and to begin speaking out about these outrages, um, communism in in Africa and the truth about South Africa. Um, In in recent years, um, the powers that shouldn't be, the Bolsheviks, the Marxists, whatever you want to call them, the Jews, tried many methods of shutting him down. Um, and including dragging him into court, um, but he's still still telling the truth. So um, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Jan Lamprecht. Jan, welcome to the Freedom Times News Hour. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Patricia. I loved listening to the intros. It's very excellent. 
<laughs> oh, aren't you nice to say that, Jan? Thank you so much. Listen, there's a whole lot going on. And um, why don't you, the thing that always concerns me is the power situation with ESCOM. Can you catch us up to speed on, on what's going on? Yes, ESCOM is crazy. You know, here are these blacks. They took over the country. It was functioning properly. Everything was working fine. And now they are actually, through their mismanagement, through their corruption, through their theft, through all their various nonsense, all the things that used to work are now collapsing. And it's not just ESCOM. I should just mention to you that um, South African Airways, the national airline, I think it's been bankrupt at least once, at least once. Then we've got, we used to have all our TV stations and radio done through SABC, South African Broadcasting Corporation. SABC is so bad that um, SABC, we used to always pay an annual TV license for radio and TV to be able to function in South Africa. All these organizations like ESCOM, these are all known as parastatals. I think in American terms, you'd call them a utility, but they are like a government-owned utility. And the whites created all these things so that we could function because we don't have an economy as big as you Americans where we can have many of these companies. So anyway, so we used to have SABC, for example, that did all TV and radio, and we'd pay a license fee to it. They went and stuffed it up so badly and drove away the viewership so much that do you know that um, even though it's illegal, it's actually illegal not to pay your, your radio and TV license every year. Do you know that 80% of South Africa's population do not pay their TV license annually, even though it's basically a crime? There are so many that don't pay, including the non-whites, that um, they can't actually run around and have people arrested and thrown in court. That, that, that's, that's how bad it is. So SABC has got no income or very little income, and I don't care. They deserve, they deserve what they're getting. Then another parastatal, the post office. The post office is now in liquidation. I think, I'm not sure if it's the second or the third time that the South African post office has gone bankrupt. And um, so, so that, one's, that one's stuffed. But the, the one that's really nasty, the one that's really affecting the country is ESCOM. ESCOM is the electricity parastatal. And our electricity used to be totally fine. It was just like America, never have power outages, etc. But the thing started failing in 2008. In 2008, there, there were warning signs before then, but then in 2008, we got our first, um, our first proper outages where they actually had, had to institute rolling blackouts on our electricity. And the reason they got to use rolling blackouts is because the electricity grid, if, if the electricity grid draws too much power compared to what's being produced, there comes a time where the entire grid can collapse. And when the grid collapses, then the, the bottom line is the grid has been up since about the 1940s. So it's never been down. It covers the whole country. 
And if it goes down, they're not sure how long it's going to take to get the grid up again. It is one hell of a job to get the grid up. It could be anything from from two weeks to three weeks where the whole country is sitting without power. So that is why they instituted these um, rolling blackouts back in 2008. Then it started going a bit better. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then and then another thing related to this, because I, I just also want to show the inefficiency of these blacks, and I'll explain it a bit more. So when, when we had the, the first power outages in 2008. Oh, where'd you go, Jan? I'm I'm here. Yeah. I just okay. I just put myself on mute for a second. So <laughs> when 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 we had the first power outages in 2008, then the president of South Africa, the black guy in charge, Mbeki, he then said, no, 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 they need to build new power stations. Okay, they need to build new power stations, and so they came up with a quote, and the quote that they wanted was 60 billion rand. 60 billion rand in South African rands. So you're talking like $600 million or something like that, probably a bit more. But um, the problem was that the quote was for 60 billion, whereas all the power stations previously built only cost 14 billion. In other words, the price had now gone up times four. So people... There were lots of whites and experts who said, but this is crazy. You know, how come a power station suddenly is going to cost four times what it used to cost? No, 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 said President Mbeki. We're doing it properly and, and um, it's worth it and, and, this will, and, and this will solve the problem for once and for all, he said. Well, so well I people, heard well, – hold on, Jay. Karen Smith told me that – Maintenance one had never been done on any of these power black, uh, power plants since uh, Black Rules took over. Yes, that's that's that is the main issue. That's the main issue. The other issue is that blacks are moving onto the power grid illegally and they're not paying their bills. Entire townships, entire black townships in South Africa, none of the blacks pay their bills. So they use electricity, they never pay their bills, and they also go and they put up lots of illegal hookups. And um, so, so basically all that's happening is that ESCOM was, was never had maintenance, and the load on ESCOM is increasing. So no maintenance plus the load is increasing, plus the blacks are not uh, bringing in the, the money to, to run ESCOM with. Anyhow, so Mbeki came along and they, they went and they were going to build this huge power station. I think they brought in the Japanese or something. Then when the Japanese wanted to, I think it was the Japanese, then when the Japanese wanted to come up with a design of how they wanted to do it, then these blacks, black politicians started interfering in everything. They interfered in the plans. And then, of course, this is, this is what they do with everything. Uh, they also interfere with the way that you organize the way that you're going to do things. They even did this when um, – what is that American – Walmart. Walmart. Walmart came to South Africa, and we actually technically have Walmart in South Africa. But if you had to see Walmart in South Africa, you wouldn't recognize it at all. It, it doesn't look 
or operate in any way at all like Wal- like the Walmart that you used to. So, And that's because the blacks come, the black government comes, and they make all these various rules. They introduce a thousand and one different rules. And all it does is it just adds to the inefficiency and the load of the system, and everything becomes harder to do. So anyway, the 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 upshot of the whole thing is is that they worked on this thing for like about 10 years or whatever. Then the work that was done was not only massively behind schedule, but things were physically, I'm talking physically, either falling apart or exploding, okay? And so they, they spent this $60 billion and they couldn't even get a proper, decent um, power station up and running. And, uh, How much so, did yeah. they spend? How much? In in rands, it was sixty billion, but it was sixty billion about seventeen years ago. So we'd have to just convert it. It could be close to like it could be close to like a billion US dollars, I'd guess, something like that, to build a power station. And 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 here's this faulty thing that's falling apart. But as as you say, the the maintenance is not done on anything else either. The new one is the new one is really low quality, and um, I'm not kidding you when I tell you that things inside these these power plants physically explode. They explode like a like a bomb. Okay, there are there are all kinds of things that explode on a scale you cannot believe, and it's all from from you know no maintenance, bad workmanship. Nobody gives a damn. But there are other things as well. So among the things that happen is the blacks introduce lots of corruption. So they're not getting enough money. Then they start hiring their buddies. Then then they then what they do is they get their pals to start fake companies. And then these fake companies now come and subcontract to do work. And, of course, all of these things are black-owned because a white-owned company would not be allowed to go and do maintenance. If if you've got a company and you want to do any kind of contract for the government, then you have to be partly black owned. So like BBE so or BBB. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the stupid term they use for it. So what happens at the end of the day is you've got all these blacks who start up these companies. These companies don't have much skill. They don't really care. They are buddies with the people who are going to issue the tenders. So, so the things that these blacks get up to are it's, – it's almost like a book. So I'll try to tell you some of it. If we run out of time, then you can stop me. But what they do is they then come and, and let's, say, let's say the job is for a, is, is, would normally be for a million rand. Then these blacks have got all kinds of other expenses and wastage that they want. So they'll immediately – increase this thing and a job that normally would have cost a million rand ends up costing two million or five million and by the way all these things that i'm describing here a lot of this stuff happens in hospitals it happens everywhere in south africa i saw some time back i saw the price of a broom in a hospital a broom that we can buy for for a couple of rand man for like 10 or 20 rand that same broom, if a hospital has to buy that thing, it'll cost them thousands of rands. And, and the, the whole of government functions like this. So, they, so costs, the, the costs don't just go up like 10%. 
They go up like double, treble, five times, even ten times higher than than you'd have to pay if you just went out to a shop and went and bought something. So, oh my gosh, Don, Don, I got I got to get Don's here. This is like kleptocracy. I mean, I swear, South Africa is the template for what's going on in the U.S. Template template for idiocracy for anybody that's watched that movie, and I know a lot of people have. Uh, it's a, you know, a combination of plutocracy, oligarchy, and a dumbing down of the population that, that results in nothing working and costs going through the roof. And, you know, there's there seems to... Uh, Jan, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're on today. And if I could, I just... I want to ask a kind of a general question. I know we got a break coming up here soon. But... Um, it's hard to get accurate information. I mean, even about our own country that we live in, much less South Africa. I mean, you've got the the fake news media in this country, for example, doesn't say anything bad about South Africa or rarely mentions it. And then you have the alternative media, and it's hard to get good, reliable information from that either. I mean, we know about the, uh, the ongoing slaughter of white farmers. We know a lot of whites are living in, in shanty towns now. But something I wonder about is just the day-to-day life of let's call them normal white South Africans. I mean, you probably still there's probably still a group of whites that have a fair amount of money, and I'm just wondering, do they live still a fairly normal life like they did before the black uh, communist takeover? Or, I mean, what what's day-to-day life like for white South Africans in general? Okay, let me try and summarize it for you. You've got the whites, you've got the whites who've fallen, okay? The whites who've fallen down, they... They maybe were borderline whites long ago, and may, and many of them might even have worked for government. And so when when things changed, they found themselves without jobs, etc. Those whites are the whites. Many of them are Afrikaans whites, and they're the ones that have taken the biggest fall. And it is those kinds of whites that also ended up in these camps. But then remember also, of course, there are whites leaving the country. There are, there are whites who just can't take it anymore and they're out. Some of them are, are normal whites who manage to get out. Others are the richer whites who manage to get out. Interestingly enough, I'd say that um, even though a good chunk of the white population, I can't give an exact number, my best guess, my best guess is that about a quarter of the whites have fallen on really hard times. And I must tell you that lately, lately when I drive around, I've, I haven't seen so many white males begging at, on street corners as I have in the last six months. I've never seen so many white men begging, and I've also seen white men who are homeless who walk, who walk around, and you can see he's just got his backpack, and where he's sitting down on the sidewalk, and, and he's got his backpack, and, and that's it. He's got no place to live. But about, I'd say about a quarter of the whites have fallen on really hard times. All the other we, we've got some here, too. Uh, we're going to have to take a break right now. Jan, uh, you're listening to the Freedom Times News Hour. we got some important messages coming up, and then we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family 
will love. Now we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high quality pasture raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now I'm not talking about the bottom of the barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free range or even cage free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasteurized meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your delight. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. important conversation with our guest today i'm not going to let that intro music play on don bring us back into the show please sure we are talking with yom yon lamprecht from south africa and his website is africancrisis.info africancrisis.info and if there's others or any others uh any kind of info you want to give out uh yon feel free to do that um and of course, everyone listening here in the U.S. Uh, is going to AmericanFreedomNews.us for their daily info, right, 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 and subscribing right. to the Freedom Times newspaper at just twenty-nine dollars a year, so we can keep this show on the air. So please help us out, be part of the solution. Um, before the break, Jan, we were talking about 
uh, day-to-day life of white South Africans, and you were saying about 25% of them have it really bad. Uh, the other 75%, and it, it, it kind of just as an aside there, you were talking about all the beggars and homeless people. There's more and more whites like that here, in fact. I've been seeing it a lot more over the last 15 years. And Patricia and I were talking the other day that we kind of look at what's going on in the U.S., and everything's accelerated, the, the great replacement of whites. And I think South Africa is sort of the template for it. Uh, you know, the powers that be, the internationalist powers, they got away with it in Rhodesia, they pulled it off there, then they pulled it off in South Africa, and now they're going after the whole Western world or what's left of it. But to get back to white South Africans, what about the other 75%? Is there, there, I assume there's a an upper class and then a still a middle class left. Is that correct? Okay, let me just give you a little bit more detail. Okay, let's take farming, for example, as, as an example of, of a bunch of whites. When the blacks took over, I think there were something like 60,000 white farmers in South Africa. Then after black rule and all the various nonsense that came out of that, etc., about 30,000 farmers ended up quitting or losing their farms or going bankrupt. And then what you found was after, after, after half of them had disappeared after about 10 or 15 years, that you then found a small group of farmers who are, quotes, super farmers, and those farmers have bought up all the land of the farmers who went bankrupt. So you then find that there's a tiny new elite of farmers, a tiny new elite of farmers, and I've heard of farmers who own up to more than 20 farms. And in the one case, I found out that the guy was a top Freemason, by the way. Oh. And these, these, farmers, these farmers are so wealthy that they buy their own helicopters and they fly around, etc. So you find that, that a huge chunk of the farmers are gone. And then you get this tiny little elite that, that comes out, and then you've got the other 30,000 that have managed to hang in there, and they're sort of battling along as best they can. Some are doing, some are doing better than others. And, and that'll give you a bit of an idea of, of how whites are affected. So you get a huge chunk that are wiped, and then, and then you know the rest battle along. And that's kind of what's happened to whites as a whole. You've got a bunch who fell. Then you've got the rest, the, the rest of the mass who are still functioning, but they're a lot poorer than they were. So you've still got a lot of whites who live in suburbs just like I do, but you can see that they are struggling more and more, and you can see everyone's taken more and more strain. They are not living today the way that they lived 20 years ago. Things are much, much harder. And then, then you get the handful of, quotes, connected ones, and they're, they're flying. They're, they're, driving, they're driving fancy cars. But, but let's call it the elites. The guys who become elite, they are very few. They're not even like 1% of the population. There are, certain, there are certain kinds of jobs where whites did better, like one area where the Afrikaans whites did really excellently is everything everything medical related they 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 got into hospitals and doctors and and all the various profession medical professions and they did freaking well and and if it wasn't for them our entire medical system would have collapsed they did really really great and they're doing and they're still doing well the government the government's been wanting to nationalize healthcare 
for years and years, and they're constantly trying to destroy it. But those whites have been able to put up a fight with attorneys and things, and they've actually been able to stave it off for a long time. And and also the farmers don't 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 think that the farmers are not doing things. The farmers and the farming organisations have fought so many court battles and so many things to try and stop the blacks from stealing all the land. The blacks have come in with worse and worse regulations. And I, I must tell you, this is really a feather in the cap of white South Africans that you won't know about, is let me tell you, in the last 10 years, white South Africans have quietly, behind the scenes, managed to hold themselves together and hold chunks of this country together in a way that you cannot believe. They have very quietly, I don't know how everybody managed to do it, but they've managed to sort of remove some of the teeth that these blacks used to have in their ability to destroy things. And and I should mention very quickly, because this will interest you, that the blacks tried to disarm us totally in 2006. In 2006, the blacks... Well, you're going to have to hold that thought again, Jan. Sorry, we're going to another break. Here on the Republic Broadcasting Network, this is the Freedom Times News Hour with Don Mossel and Patricia Aiken. We're talking with Jan Lamprecht from South Africa. We'll be right back after these important messages. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. Did you know that essential oils have had a multitude of natural health and skin uses in history, but have been somewhat forgotten by recent civilization? Susanna's Secret offers 100% pure and natural oils at prices you can actually afford. Do you have a house or office with a musty smell or mold? Studies have shown that essential oils like the one in our Thief and Robbers blend will kill or inhibit mold, viruses, bacteria, and fungus. Just diffuse with it, and you will see the long-lasting effects that even synthetic chemicals don't achieve. Purifica, another one of our products used to clean and freshen your house or give a natural scent when drying laundry. For that special lady, we offer a ginger argan oil in a beautiful cosmetic bottle or a pure argan oil, a natural acne-fighting product. Check us out at SusannaSecret.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-A-S Secret. S-U-S-A-N-A-S-Secret.com. Subscribe to the Freedom Times monthly newspaper, published since 1985. That's right, 1985. The Freedom Times pulls no punches and observes no sacred cows or taboos. The perilous times we live in are too critical for anything but honest discussion of America's plight. The Freedom Times is the antidote to the lies and distortions of the fake news media. There's no better way to inform and enlighten Americans than by reading The Freedom Times each month. New subscribers may sign up at the special rate of just $29 for one year or $55 for two years. Subscribe online by going to AmericanFreedomNews.us or mail your subscription to The Freedom Times, P.O. Box 218, Wildwood, Pennsylvania, 15091. That's the Freedom Times, P.O. Box 218, Wildwood, Pennsylvania, 15091. Support America's best patriotic newspaper and one of the very few left by becoming a subscriber to the Freedom Times today. Hi. 
Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Be alive. Right now, right here. Right here, right now. History changing by the day, and in a lot of ways that are not good. This is the Freedom Times News Hour. I'm Don Wassel with Patricia Aiken. We're talking to Jan Lamprecht of the website AfricanCrisis.info. I've been informed by Patricia. He also has a website called HistoryReviewed.com. History Reviewed, Reviewed, the past tense of Review.com. AfricanCrisis.info, HistoryReview.com, and of course the other website you want to know about is AmericanFreedomNews.us, which is updated every single day. Um, you know, we we root for South Africa, white South Africans. We care about them. We want to know what's going on. And um, of course, there are two basic groups there: the English derived and, and the Dutch derived, and that of course has a long history too. But really, at this point in time. We're all just whites, just like here in the U.S. It doesn't matter where in Europe you came from. We're targeted for extinction, and we're just trying to survive. So hopefully in South Africa, those kinds of uh, former rivalries or factionalism is not as deep and important as it used to be. Um, but, Jan, I want to ask you, and if I'm wrong about that, please correct me, but I want to ask on the same topic we were talking about, again, it's hard to get accurate information, uh, even in our country, much less South Africa. But as we know, the blacks around the world are inflamed to hate whites and oftentimes act out against them. Uh, there's always been a high black crime, black on white crime rate here in the U.S., which is suppressed. I'm just wondering, since the blacks, I mean, the, the white South Africans are just a tiny minority. Uh, we're still supposedly a majority here in the U.S., but that's not much longer. But at any rate, you're you're just a tiny minority there. And I'm wondering, after the blacks officially took over, took over the government and all institutions of power, what is day-to-day life like as far as race relations? Is there tons of black hostility and, and crime? Do these white suburbs that still exist, do they have heavy security? Or is it is it more um, not quite as bad as we might imagine? It's very interesting um, the way that your blacks act in America and even my own trip to America. I actually think that in normal day-to-day life in South Africa, the blacks are actually the blacks and whites actually get along well. They on on the face of it when they interact with each other, it goes very well. The blacks the blacks these days are even friendly. But the problem, the real problem is that um, whites have to be very, very careful of what they say. 
because the slightest thing that they say or do can be used by the blacks to take them to court. So because the blacks abuse those kinds of things, whites basically have to w walk around on eggshells around blacks. And yes, then, then everything, we can, we can manage to get through the day without anything being nasty. Because the blacks, the, the real thing is the blacks have got the power to get you fired, have got the power to put you in jail. You know, there are words like, like, the, like these words that you guys use, like nigger. If you use the South African version of that, you're going to go straight to jail. You know, and, um, you know, so there are lots and lots of things that you've got to be very careful of in South Africa. And yes, as long as the whites stay within the rules, we can manage to get through a day. And it's it's all good. Crime has gone through the roof ever since ever since the blacks started coming to power. It went through the roof. Everybody everybody has had to get walls, fences, electric fences are common. Walls eight feet high are quite common. There are even there are even lots of places where people have got walls higher than higher than ten feet and twelve feet. Interesting. Patricia, yeah, I'll give it back to you. And, you have a question? Oh, I yeah, I do. Cut you off there, Jan. You know, sometimes, yeah, when I meet um, South Africans, you know, white South Africans um, here in the States, um, you know, when I tell them what's going on in South Africa, uh, if they're a British um, extraction, they're like, so what? They have no concern. Don mentioned that a minute ago. Is there less of a gap between um, the Boers and, and the English these days? Okay, let me try to summarize that for you. Uh, the, the, the Boers are probably about 60% of the population. The English are about 40%. But one of the things that I've noticed about the English is that the English are leaving South Africa at a faster pace than the Boers. The English are not as committed to South Africa, and they and I've noticed even lately in the last year or two, a lot more English are leaving. And I must tell you that in the long run, in the long run, I think that the Boers are going to be the only are going to be the main whites who are going to take it in the in the neck. And if there's any group that as a group is going to have to stand up for themselves. It's going to be the Boers. And then it's going to be whatever English-speaking whites are truly loyal and truly friendly who, who remain with us. But um, just keep in mind that the English types are, are leaving. And I, I've even got a family member who married a – I've even got a family member who married a woman who's, who's Irish – and uh, they're now leaving South Africa, so that so they're going, and lots lots of people have been leaving. But uh, the people who really knuckle down, the, you know what? The people who are going to stay here and bear the brunt of everything, and stand and stand the firmest, are going to be the Boers. The Boers are to South Africa what you white Americans are to America. You're not just going to jump up and run away. You, you're going to make a stand because America is yours. That's the way the Boers see South Africa. The English, there are some English that are firm, but there are others that are a lot weaker. And, is there and much intermarriage so much, between the and, two after all these years? Do they intermarry a lot? 
that's that's an interesting question. There have been quite a lot of intermarriages. It's not so much that there's just hostility between them. It's that they their cultures are different. And so, yes, there has been a lot of intermarriage between them, and nobody's stopped it. But what I'm finding is that I'm finding that the attitude of the English speakers is a lot weaker, and and they are much more liberal, and they they get scared more easily, and they get despondent more easily. Whereas to to the Boers, to the Boers, South Africa is their homeland. This is their only home, and they're going to stick around. And you get you get some organisations. There's some organisations like Afri Forum. They are building things. They're like the only white organisation that's building a university in Pretoria. So they're building a university. They're building schools. So the what's what's really nice about the Afrikaans people is that they are using their language. They're clever and they're using their language as a way of of doing racism, but without doing it with race. So they say, oh, well, our culture is Afrikaans and we want to speak Afrikaans. And then they do a whole bunch of stuff that's Afrikaans. And the blacks don't like Afrikaans, so the blacks aren't interested. And then they manage to get some things done in that way. So just so just be aware that the Boers, you've not seen the last of the Boers. Oh, that's excellent, Jan. Let me ask you this. You know, if ESCOM collapses, if you have a power collapse... And also the post office, the post office, a country needs a post office to be able to run. I remember when they burned it down on the main post office on Christmas Day years ago, and you couldn't even mail anything to South Africa. I'm not sure how that is now. But without those two um, sectors functioning, how can the country function? But you seem to think there'll be a victory from this. Let me explain to you what is actually happening in this country very quietly. In many ways, we are evolving in, let's call it the American way, where in America, if something breaks or something goes down, somebody starts something else and they carry on. That is actually what's taking place in South Africa. The place where it's been the most successful was crime. In crime, the police do absolutely nothing for us. I'm not joking with you. Uh, You can call the police out. And they might arrive 30 minutes or an hour later. They might. Um, I, once had a, I once had a criminal in my yard, and I phoned the police, and the police pitched up 30 minutes later. Then I, phoned an, uh, then I phoned a security company that I didn't even belong to, and they were here in five minutes. So yeah. what has happened is that um, people have started little companies, and many of these little companies are white-owned. And even if most of their um, workers are blacks, they are white-owned. So security is an example of a thing where the government and the police have totally failed us, totally failed us, but these little companies have started sprouting up, and they are the ones that actually keep us alive. They're actually very successful. And then the thing that really added to it was um, was when phones came and the Internet came, and we could go and start groups, and people could start groups and share crime stuff and share information between those phone groups and the crime and these uh, private crime companies that's the only way that we've been able to survive that plus of course the fences so we've got like daily where i live we've got we've got a patrol that we've got a patrol that patrols several times a day past my house every day 
but it's run by a private security company. And they go and they catch the criminals. So in South Africa, the cops never catch the criminals. The cops never even do investigation work. The private security company catches the criminals, takes them to the police. The police just do the paperwork. And that's that's how we've survived. And so so basically so basically if the police were to stop tomorrow, if, if the whole police force was shut down, none of us would notice it. We we'd we'd we wouldn't notice it because we wouldn't need them except if we needed um, them to stamp some documents. The police are nothing more than, than an agency for stamping documents. I'm not joking with you. So now a similar thing Are they overwhelmingly is black now? Are the police overwhelmingly black, or are there still a lot of white ones? There are very few whites in the police. I have seen small numbers, but the, the number of whites... The, the police used to be very Afrikaans, used to be lots of whites in there. Now it's very, very few, and they're extremely useless and inefficient. Now, the same thing as what's happened with these security companies is now happening with power. And so with all these power outages and things, people have started solar companies. People have started selling batteries. People have started installing um, solar geysers. We've got, we've got an entire industry of solar generators. In fact, people have even been inventing things. There are even, there are even um, things that you can go and buy. They call it a power station. And it's basically, it's basically like a battery with an inverter, and you can just plug it in, and off you go. So, so industry, luckily, South Africa's economy is big enough where this stuff is working. And I must tell you that um, the big companies now, of course, the whites don't have huge amounts of capital, but the whites are able to the whites have been moving to gas for cooking and they're moving to batteries and generators. And it's starting to become much more they're, they're doing much better. And many of these little companies are Afrikaans owned and the people are start, are booming. They, they're doing work. I went and bought some batteries again the other day, spoke to the guy, said to him, how's it going? He said, oh, man. We're doing so much work, we can't keep up. So we are, thanks thanks to Western technology, solar panels, inverters, etc., and um, and uh, and things slowly collapsing. We we actually are in a position where a lot of us can function. There are lots of whites who are able to look after their little businesses. Their little businesses are running. They've got battery packs and things that they can use every day and it's actually quite successful and now what's happening with the really big companies these sort of monopoly type companies they are starting to they are starting to to put plans in place so that their stuff can work in the event of a power collapse and um, there's even one mobile phone company that's about to go off the grid completely what they did was they bought gas they bought gas and they piped it through to their headquarters, and they went and they bought um, a gas generator, and they run their entire um, HQ building off of gas. So I want to tell you that the way things are going, here's my prediction for electricity, that even if the electricity collapses totally, even if the electricity collapses totally, there are going to be some companies, there are going to be some banks that are still going to be able to function, there are going to be quite a few businesses that are functioning. 
lots of other businesses, supermarkets and stuff, all the all these normal shops, they've all got generators. In fact, I took some video footage. I'm going to put it into a video to show people what it looks like when, when we're in a power outage. And um, people, the business, the bottom line is this. The businesses are more, much more efficient than the government. And so they are able to to work better with their money and they're able to survive more and more. So the more so the worse the power situation gets, the more people are going to go off it. There are some kinds of businesses that cannot do without electricity. And some of those will go bust or have gone bust or whatever. But there are lots and lots of businesses that can function on partial electricity. And um I predict that um, if I predict that as time goes by and things get worse and worse and worse, people are just going to wean themselves more and more off of ESCOM, and ESCOM is going to become more and more irrelevant. And um, and and you know what the joke is is that the blacks, it's the blacks in the townships that need ESCOM, and they're not paying ESCOM's bills. And and um, oh yes, do you know that the white suburbs have more power outages than the blacks? The black townships don't have power outages and the hospitals don't have power outages. The whites bear the brunt of power outages. But just like but the lucky thing is because this process is slow, it is actually allowing people to adapt and change. And I must tell you that um, I think I think we're going to come through this. I think it and, and so the bottom line is if we don't need the government for the police and we don't need them for electricity, what the hell do we need them for? We're getting more and more independent. Of course, there is hardship associated with this. Not everybody is profiting, and there are people who are taking more and more strain. They they are battling. There are some people who can't who can't go that road. But um, that'll give you some idea of how we are adapting. The whites are amazingly creative, I must tell you. And it's it's all the black run stuff that's getting worse and worse and worse. You know, and, and the question is going to be: Do we even need a government? And that's where we're heading to. Give it a you, give are it there any is, is there any kind of political party there that's a, a white political party or pro-white, or is that sort of just been given up on as, as a way to go? Okay, there are a couple of political parties. Um, probably the best of probably the best of the political parties for the whites was the Freedom Front, Afrikaans political party. But the problem is that everybody kind of gave up because you can't have a, have a whites only thing. So everybody has become kind of liberal and they don't know what to do. The way that I look at the future, the solution that I think is going to work is um, I think that ultimately the real game in town in South Africa is secession. Secession is allowed. There is mention of it in the Constitution. The blacks tried to stop having a secession clause put into the Constitution when they negotiated with the whites. But the whites did manage to get something in there. It's not very good. It's not very complete. But it is there. So secession is the real thing. And there are quite a few people in South Africa now trying to do secession things. Most of them are in the Cape. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to find areas where there are whites, where where there are low populations, and where there are whites and maybe colored people, mulatto people, mixed race people. The mixed race people are friendlier to the whites than the blacks. 
and there are groups like this and and the cape is the cape has got a lot of these uh possibilities and there are a bunch of groups now that are functioning and they're all trying to push for some kind of secession this one's pushing for secession here that one's pushing for secession there etc and these groups are probably the biggest thing that's growing in south africa you're starting to look at hundreds of thousands of supporters that are interested in this the government won't like this but this is going to be the way to go there are key areas in south africa which i don't want to mention there are very specific areas because secession doesn't say to you that there's a size issue so technically i don't see anything in the secession law that says a town can't secede or a part of a city can't secede so there are still many places where whites exist in groups and i think it's just a matter of time the more dysfunctional the country gets and the less power the government has cuz south africa is going to become a failed state okay that's where we're heading and that's excellent and the less power they have and the less the the, the police function and the less the army can function it's going to open a door for whites to grab their guns and to secede at some point somewhere and that to me is the most important possibility that lies ahead Well yeah and they did a, a gun grab there um after Mandela took office or right around that that time so what would you say to uh Americans about giving up their guns the the boers were very c- compliant about going and turning in their guns what would you say to us man you got to the your guns are more important than your votes nothing is as important as guns with guns you can get everything back with guns you can keep yourself alive votes are only are only the second most important thing i will tell you that the whites were totally stupid they tried they tried very hard to destroy our arms ownership in 2006 the the blacks came in a big way and tried to change the law and force everyone to re-register for their guns some people did hand in their guns but i must tell you i i was in queues i'm talking long long queues of whites who queued up at police stations in 2006 long long queues where they'd stand for half of the day just to be able to register their weapons do you know that so many whites tried tried to register for their weapons that the blacks found themselves with rooms and rooms full of files that they couldn't process for gun applications it took them more than 2 years to process the gun applications So yes we did lose some things but we didn't lose everything and lots of people kept their guns I kept my weapons and um the the downside was that 93% this is a, this should shock you 93% of all gun shops in South Africa closed but there were still those that survived and later later what the hardcore gun nuts did is they went into sports shooting and sports shooting exploded in its size and those people can own multiple weapons and they still got guns to this day and you'd be amazed at some of the guns they do have so yes whites have lost but whites have also fought back and whites have fought back in courts and things so one of the things is yes whites took many beatings but you know what i must tell you that the liberals and the blacks 
never expected the whites to even be functional 20 years later. Despite the beatings we've taken, they can't believe that we're still here and we're still functioning and we're even outperforming them in certain things. And their stuff is all collapsing. Is there there, uh, any political force or strong force that's so hostile to the whites that they uh, favor violence or the complete elimination of the white population there through one way or another? The ruling party... We have that in this country. It's building. Okay. The ruling party in this country is very dangerous. The ANC are communists. But what has happened is the ANC is starting to split. And their most radical blacks have actually started splitting off. There's, there's one group called the EFF, which is run by Julius Malema. And he, he wants to kill whites and he wants to steal land. And he's already done many, many bad things. He's nasty, nasty boy. And then there's Jacob Zuma, who was the, the president. And these guys are also linked to a shady thing that you don't hear much about, the South African Communist Party. The South African Communist Party still exists. It's very nasty. It's got links to the government, but it also is hardcore. And um, those hardcore groups have worked together. They were behind those wild riots that you saw in July 2021 when the blacks ran amok. But um, the bottom line is those groups are also fighting among each other, especially the Zuma group. Zuma with the government. So there are even some assassinations and there's hatred building up between them. So it's nice that they're fighting with each other, but they aren't totally self-destructive. But those radical groups do want to come to power. Malema is pushing hard. He wants to become the president and he, he wants to turn South Africa into a total communist state. And he's a nasty boy. So those guys do exist and whites hate them. And we do keep an eye on those guys, and they are dangerous. But the thing about those groups is as dangerous as they are, and I have gone to places where they have done nasty stuff. Like 2017, I went to the town of Kulini, where Malema and his guys had been trying to burn down people's houses. And I went and I got all the details on that. There are many, many nasty things that these blacks have tried, and whites have actually managed to... um, Help curb it and stop it. Wait, Jan, so, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it there, Jan. It's been a great discussion. Went really quick, and uh, thanks so much for being on the show. This is the Freedom Times News Hour much. with Patricia Aiken and Don Wassel. Thank you again, Jan, and uh, we hope you're gonna be listening again next week for another interesting interview and show. Take care, everybody. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all all of the coffee, it's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted, it's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit 
blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm getting out of 